was in despair over the loss, Bird's piercing, lethal look into my eyes said, I can't believe you left me wide open like that. You lucked out, Riley. He was right. I did. There's no question it pained Bird to miss that shot, but I think it pained him even more that he missed the chance to put the dagger right between my eyes. Boy, did he love to win and let you know it. When Larry played for the Celtics and I coached the Lakers, we were involved in knock-down, drag-out battles for the ultimate prize, the championship. People talked about the level of dislike or even hatred among our two teams, but it was more about a fierce attachment to the same goal. I can still remember every play of that great Lakers-Celtics rivalry. I have never forgotten how Larry Bird affected the outcome. When you are striving for the same kind of greatness, you develop a lifelong respect for your adversaries, even though you rarely articulate it. I have always admired the level to which Larry Bird would go to fulfill his commitment to winning, the game, and his teammates. His commitment was sacred, and he made sure yours was too. If you wanted to play for rings, both teammate and opponent had to surpass his commitment. I used to challenge Michael Cooper and anyone else who was charged with defending Bird. I told them, You must raise the ante or this guy will embarrass you. He will take your heart out, stomp on it, then walk off the court with that sly grin on his face. He won't stop until he whips your ass. They had to hear that in order to have the respectful fear and alertness one needs to compete at his level. Come to play or Bird would bring you to your knees. I found it interesting to learn that when Larry retired to Naples, Florida, in between golf rounds and a few cold millers, he spent some of his time tuning into the Miami Heat games and watching me go through my coaching misery. I was flattered that he mentioned me favorably, but also knew that if Larry got into coaching, my old Boston Celtics paranoia would alert me that these kind words were simply a way to soften me up and give him an edge. The truly good coaches and players always observe those they compete against. They study, they watch, they listen. They look for ways to beat them and their game. I've spent 18 years studying all kinds of coaches, trying to identify the common denominator that makes their game work. I believe it's a sincere, competent, reliable, restlessly competitive disposition to dominate all aspects of the game. All good coaches have the knowledge, but it's their disposition and attitude that sets them apart. Bird reeks of it. It's not conjured up. It's simply there. This disposition becomes the crucial conduit relating to your players. The players watch you like a hawk, It's like that Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell song many years ago, Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing. We saw the real thing in Bird. Right away you could see Larry Bird understood from experience what his players needed, wanted, and would tolerate. Larry's innate wisdom as to how to relate to his players was fascinating to watch. Some coaches never get it. As an example, 
when Reggie Miller hit that big shot in the final seconds of Game 4 in the Eastern Conference Final against Chicago in the 1998 playoffs. Everyone on the Pacers team was going crazy except Larry. He coached. While his inner emotions were jumping for joy, he just stood there, devoid of any exterior emotion. The question is, was it conscious or unconscious? He was coaching consciously to show the calm and collected demeanor he knew his players would require to close out the win. He knew they would look to him in that situation, and he knew there was still time on the clock, so he provided what they needed most, composure just like he needed when he played. When I look at how Larry has coached the Pacers, there's nothing complicated about it. What you see is what you get. He keeps it simple. His offense, defense, and rebounding operate on solid, basic principles. His team takes tremendous pride in playing.